Today, we're, um, we'll, we'll read, Krishna willing, a verse from the 10th canto, first, second chapter. And this is the prayers by the demigods, beginning with the verse, Tvayam bujaksha kila sattvadamni. Tvayam bujaksha kila sattvadamni samadhi na vesha tichetta saike. Tvatpada potena mahakritena kurvantiko vatta padam bhavabdhim. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivan Rotamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraye Tvayam Bujaksha, what's the number? 10 to 30. Thank you. 10 to 30. So, the first word in the verse is twayi. So, please repeat, twayi. In you. So, they're speaking to Krishna. Who's speaking? It's the demigods. The demigods know that Krishna is taking birth within the womb, and therefore they approach. Now, of course, we know that uh, when Brahma prayed to Krishna, in this uh, universe, there's an auxiliary place where um, Brahma resides. In any case, the demigods had gone to Brahma and they asked him to uh, give a message to the Supreme because they were in distress. The world was overburdened, so they went and they prayed the shore of the milk ocean and they chanted the Purusha Sukta mantras. And then Brahma got a transmission from within his heart for a message to be pa passed on to the, de the devas who were gathered there, which is that Krishna, he said, will appear soon in the world, and he wanted the devas to also appear, tatpriyartam, to assist him. So now when Krishna is within the womb of Devaki, he the demigods come and they offer prayers. These are very famous prayers. And so this is them saying Twayi in you to Krishna. And then Ambu, Abuja, Ambuja Aksha means, O lotus-eyed Lord. So they're talking to a person. It's not anything uh, impersonal force. I prayed to the universe for a car, and look, I got a red car. Uh, Krishna talks about this in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where he's, he says there are different kinds of people who worship me. Some people worship themselves, however you do that, as the supreme. Other people, they worship the universe as supreme. And there's a, a bit of a misunderstanding until they come in contact with pure devotees about who Krishna actually is. And you can see that when we talk to people, 
about spiritual life, when they're very sincere even, they have many misconceptions or partial conceptions of the Supreme. So the Bhagavatam is talking about Ambuja Aksha, who is the lotus-eyed Lord. This is consequential because, after all, or lo and behold, we're actually dealing with a person behind everything. He's the source of creation. And the next word says, Akila Sattvadhamni, which indicates this. Please say, Akila Sattvadhamni. Who are the original cause of all existence? From whom everything emanates? And in whom all potencies reside? Uh, so, Samadhina. By constant meditation and complete absorption in thoughts of you, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So now we know where to place our attention. It's on the lotus eye, Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, this uh, settles all disputes. As people in this world, left to their own devices, which most people are, because they're born into darkness, and then they are mostly tutored by YouTube or other social media and the, uh, the various instructions they get from teachers who aren't trained don't uh, bring them to this focal point that there's one object upon whom, uh, if one places one's glance and, and gives one's attention, one will be fully satisfied. You won't need to see anything else because he's the source of everything. And then after that, you can see that everything else has an emanation from Krishna. Therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna also says, Aham sarvasya prabhava matak sarvam pravartate iti matva vajante mam buddha bhava samanvita When somebody knows this, that I'm the source of everything, then they give their full heart to me. Uh, they're always thinking of Krishna. A godbrother of mine called me the other day with a revelation. He said he was just coming out of the, a store, a regular store, and it was just some grocery store. And then he was walking to his car, and there was a petal of a carnation, pink, and it was lying on the ground. Who knows why? But it was there, and it was all partially crushed. But he said that it, it caught his attention because he has a samskar or an impression in his mind from being in temples for so many years of carnation, petal, pink, on the ground. And then he, he saw that, and it, it came into his mind. He thought of the deities because he thought of it, uh, the Lord wearing a garland and the petal had fallen down. It was an ordinary petal from some other kind of, uh, that was being used for some other kind of purpose, but that's what it reminded him of. And therefore he thought of Krishna, and he, he thought, this is a breakthrough, I thought of Krishna. <laughs> so he called me and said, I, th I had, a, uh, I had a, a, a thought, you know, that reminded me of Krishna. And this is, um, by extension, the way those samadhina, veshita when the, they develop a modicum of they, means the, the devotees who are, who are practicing devotional service, modicum of uh, affection for Krishna, 
they start thinking there's no place I'd rather be except with Sri Sri Radha Madan Mohan, I'm attracted. And I like the service, and I like the devotees, and I, I like everything, and I don't like everything else that much. Uh, less and less. And so then, uh, there's a stage in which one begins to see everything in relationship to Krishna. And just like with the petal, there's a um, twinge within the heart. Is that a word? Yeah. Of love, a feeling, like udipana. Udipana means a stimulus that uh, makes us feel, oh, Krishna. Oh, Krishna. Just say it. Yeah, just, oh, Krishna. And then <laughs> we feel, yeah, I'm Krishna's servant, and we're happy. So um, here the demigods are saying, samadhi na, by constant meditation like this. And one can only constantly meditate if one has this little sense of love within one's heart, starting to wake up, like, oh, I like that. I, I like Krishna. I want to be back there with Krishna. So then he says, um, uh, Aveshita, uh, fully absorbed, fully engaged. So we find this word Aveshita elsewhere. For instance, in Bhagavatam 11th canto, it says, Bhayam Dviti Abhini Beshita Syad, which means when one is absorbed in um, the body, thinking, I'm this body. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. They think, oh my, my oh my body, what about my body? Doesn't how come my hair won't cooperate today? <laughs> Great solution to shave it all off. Then, then there's there's all kinds of um, anxieties. The bhayam arise, fear arises, and when's my body going to fall apart? Or when am I going to you know? When's this body going to die? I think I'm my body, everything else in relation to my body. So, abhini besha tasyad, bhayam arises, fear arises, and I'm absorbed in that all the time. That's material life. Spiritual life means I'm absorbed in Krishna, who is the source of all creation. I'm seeing one thing. In fact, we find when Brahma was with the four Kumaras, they asked him a question. They said, so... Um, can you tell us about the nature of, of the world? And Brahma was just about to answer, but he had just been engaged in acts of creation, which is what, what guna? Rajaguna, therefore he couldn't answer because his mind was a little clouded with Rajagun. As an indication that we should be careful how we interact with the world because Sattvam vishuram vasudeva shabditam yadiyate tatra puan apavrita. One must be apavrita, uh, un one must uncover oneself or be uncovered by the, the mercy of Krishna through transcendental sound vibration. Anavriti shabdat means you can become uncovered by a transcendental sound vibration. Otherwise, there's this way in which uh, we can't see Krishna, but as soon as we come to the Shuddha platform, that means that uh, we can see Krishna. There's no impediment to seeing him at all. So Brahma couldn't answer the Kumaras. And at that time, a very interesting incarnation of Krishna came on the scene. There was a, a great light, and then 
there was the appearance of Hangsa avatar, the form of a swan. And the four Kumaras, who at that time were Brahmavadis, they, they, their conception was everything's one. We're all one together. They didn't uh, notice the difference as much, and they were trending towards this oneness. They asked the Lord, who are you? And he answered in a humorous way, because Krishna's funny. He plays games, Kautukarnava, source of all entertainment and sports. And then he said that if I'm, if I'm one with you, why would you even ask? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> then he said, and if you think that I'm part of this material world, then you should have asked, why, how are you five? Because there's five elements, and there's there's five different entities. So he was joking around with them like that. And then he explained to them, finally, that actually we are absorbed in this world because, and the Kumara said that it's, it's a conundrum to us because it seems as though the senses are absorbed in their objects, and the objects of the, of the senses in this world in the form of desire are embedded in the mind. And how will we ever disconnect the two. It seems impossible. From the time baby comes out of the womb, it's looking around uh, and inextricably connected to the material nature. Can you look that word up? Inextricable? I don't think, I'm not sure if that's properly used. And so then, Hamsa said that one must uh, note for oneself that one is not the body or the mind, and he said, it's not that we have to uh, withdraw the mind from the material world because the mind's part of the material world. It's that we have to withdraw ourselves from the mind. And he described a state called shakshit vena, which means that one has to become a witness. As Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, he says, naiva kinshit karumiti yukto manyete tatvavit that a person in the divine consciousness moves about the world, and even though he or she is accepting things, handing things out, opening or closing the eyes, um, breathing, barely, or... Um, evacuating, digesting. Here she's thinking, like, I'm not doing anything. It's going on by the material nature, and therefore that person is a state of shakshitvena, witnesshood. And Jiva Goswami comments and says that uh, devotional service starts at this position. Uh, when, we are, when we are fully aware, I'm not my body, I'm engaging in service to, to Krishna as a spiritual entity. So, um, the uh, process of becoming absorbed in Krishna or disengaged from the material world, disengaging oneself in the material world means aveshita, becoming absorbed in the process of devotional service. Means uh, once we're absorbed in the process of devotional service, then very naturally we can become detached from the ways in which this senses in, in, interact with the material world. Is everyone okay? Chaitasa, inextricable. 
I said that the living entity is inextricably something. Um, so inextricable is an adjective. It means impossible to disentangle or separate. Oh, that works. We're inextricably connected to the material world, seemingly. But, but actually, we have nothing to do with it. So we have to come to the state of shakshitvena. And so now, aveshita, uh, fully absorbed, fully engaged, and chetasa, please say. By such a mentality. Uh, A.K. The one process. Of always thinking of your lotus feet. <laughs> Tvatpadapotena, by boarding such a boat as your lotus feet. Mahatkritena, by that action which is considered the most powerful original existence or which is executed by Mahajanas. Kurvanti, they make govatsapadam, like the hoof print of a calf. Bhava Abdim, the great ocean of nations. And the translation is, O lotus-eyed Lord, by concentrating one's meditation on your lotus feet, which are the reservoir of all existence, and by accepting those lotus feet as the boat by which to cross the ocean of nations, one follows in the footsteps of Mahajana's great saints and sages and devotees. By this simple process, one can cross the ocean of nations as easily as one steps over the hoof print of a calf. Purport. This is Srila Prabhupada's purport. The true mission in life is to cross the ocean of nations of repeated birth and death. Those in the darkness of ignorance, however, do not know this mission. Instead, being carried away by the waves of material nature, Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvashaha. They are undergoing the tribulations of mrityu samsara vartmini, repeated birth and death. But persons who have achieved knowledge by the association of devotees follow the Mahajanas, Mahatkritena. What is the phrase used to say follow the, the Mahajanas? Mahatkritena. Such a person always concentrates his mind upon the lotus feet of the Lord and executes one or more of the nine varieties of devotional service, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasavanam. Who said that? Prahlad Maharaj, who did he tell it to? Told his father, that's what I learned in school. Did he appreciate it? On a scale of one to ten, ten being he loved it and one being... It was the worst thing you ever heard. Where was it? Negative something? <laughs> it was in the negative numbers. He was very agitated by that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, such a person always concentrates his mind upon the lotus feet of the Lord. Lotus, not lotus. Such a person always concentrates his mind upon the lotus feet of the Lord and executes one or more of the nine varieties of devotional service, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasavanam. Simply by this process, one can cross the insurmountable ocean of nations. That could just roll off your tongue and you might think it's insignificant, but actually that's a big deal, isn't it? 
If you were lost somewhere and you didn't know how to get home, and then someone says, simply by this process you can get there, and then look how relieved you'd feel. Have you ever been lost? In a big city somewhere? Did you like it? It's horrible. So we're lost in the material world, and this is the, the way to actually go back home, back to Godhead. Devotional service is powerful in any, in any form. Sri Vishnu Shravane Parikshadabhavad Vayasaki Kirtane. Who knows that song? Go ahead, Srivatsa. Shri Vishnu Shravane Parikshadabhavad Vayasaki Kirtane. Prahlada smarane tadangri bhajane, Lakshmi prithu pujane, Akru rastva bhivandane kapipater, Dasyetha sakhir juna, Sarvasvatmane vedane balirabhut, Krishnapti shampara. According to this verse, Maharaj Parikshit became liberated by fully concentrating his mind on hearing the Lord's holy name, attributes, and pastimes. What three things did he hear? Names, attributes, and pastimes. What is an attribute? What does attribute mean? It's a noun, right? Quality. Quality? Who was that? It sounded like Hansapriya. <laughs> She's all pervading. <laughs> and I see, definitely. Okay. We lost our mic. We need another mic up here. We'd like to lease one for the front row. Attributes um, can be used as a verb. And so that means regard something as being caused by someone or something and can be, and then plural nouns is just attributes. A quality or feature regard, regarded as a characteristic or inherent part of someone or something. Okay. Where does it come from, please? It comes from Latin, um, ad tribure, to assign, um, then attribure, um, and then old French combined with Latin, attribute, um, attribute, <laughs> uh, allotted, and then attribute is now. Assigned. Okay, so then we have three areas in which to think of the Lord. Names, attributes, pastimes. Similarly, Shukadev Goswami simply glorified the Lord and by speaking on the subject matters of Krishna, that constitute the, enti constitute the entire Srimad Bhagavatam, he, was, he too was liberated. One may also be liberated simply by sakya, friendly behavior with the Lord. Prabhupada mentions in the uh, Nectar of Devotion that one of the ways in which to, to make friends with Krishna and be friendly toward him is to teach Krishna consciousness to others. So those of you who are doing uh, outreach, distributing books as an example. 
becoming, it's a way to become friendly with Krishna. Such is the power of devotional service as we learn from the examples set by the Lord's many pure devotees. Swayam Burr Naradashambu Kumara Kopalo Manu Pralado Janako Bhishmo Balir Vayasakir Vayam. We have to follow in the footsteps of such devotees, for by this one easy process one can cross the great ocean of nations, just as one might cross a small hole created by the hoof of a calf. Here the Lord is described as Ambujaksha or lotus eyed. By seeing the eyes of the Lord, which are compared to lotus flowers, one becomes so satisfied that one does not want to turn his eyes to anything else. Simply by seeing the transcendental form of the Lord, a devotee is at once fully absorbed in the Lord in his heart. This absorption is called samadhi, dhyana vastita tadgatina manasa pashantiyam yogina. A yogi is fully absorbed in thoughts of the Supreme Personality of God, for he has no other business than to think of the Lord always within the heart. It is also said, it is also said, Samashutaye Padapalava Plavam Mahatpadam Punya Yasho Maradehe Bhavam Budir Vatsapadam Param Padam 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 Yadvi Padam Natesham. For one who has accepted the boat of the lotus feet of the Lord who is the shelter of the cosmic manifestation and is famous as Morari, the enemy of the demon Mura, the ocean of the material world is like the water contained in the calf's, in a calf's hoof print. His goal is Parampadam, or Vaikuntha, the place where there are no material miseries, not the place where there is danger at every step. This process is recommended here by authorities like Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, Swayambhu Narada Shambhu, and therefore, we must take to this process in order to transcend nations. This is very easy, for we must follow in the footsteps of great personalities, and then success will be possible. In regard to the word Mahatkritena, it is also significant that the process shown by great devotees is not only for them, but also for others. If things are made easy, this affords facility for the person who has made them easy, and also for others who follow the same principles. The process recommended in this verse for crossing the ocean of nations is easy not only for the devotee, but also for common persons who follow the devotee. Mahajanoyena gata sapanta. Bhakti Thakur is uh, someone we can relate to. His examples was that um, he, he worked. He had a family. He had over 10 kids. And then he had uh, employment in the government of India. In fact, he was such a, a valuable employee as a, a, ju a judge that the government, in order to secure his employment, had put in a, a rail, a, a small train just for Bhaktivinoda Thakur to pick him up and take him to the courthouse because he was on a tight schedule. And uh, that train track up till very recently was there in front of Swananda Sukhadakunj. It looks like a little toy train almost. And would come right to his door and they'd take him to, to the courthouse. Uh, he 
was expert at his work. In fact, he was legendary in that he had decided more cases that didn't come unraveled later than any other judge by far. So he was expert in his work. He had t over 10 kids. And he also wrote over 100 books, Harry Bowl. He, he took rest every night at 10, got up at 1 o'clock, and chanted 64 rounds. And then he would write and do other kinds of uh, correspondence a little later in the morning. He took a, a half a quart of milk and some chapatis, and then he'd go to work. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur writes in one of his songs, Grihe Thakur Bane Thakur Shada Hariboli Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, you may find yourself in various situations in this lifetime. And it's like, how did I get here? Uh, don't worry. Wherever you may be now, however you have gotten there, by the force of destiny, you can just follow this formula of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Grihe Thako Bane Thako means if you find yourself with 10 kids in a house, big mortgage, whatever it may be, grihe, taco, bane taco, or you may have renounced it all somehow or other. He said, oh, forget this, and walked off in the forest and just wore some simple cloth and you're renunciate. Either way, he said, shadahari bolidako, your only business is this samadhi naveshi tichetasaike, fix your mind in samadhi on one thing and the most important of all the ways in which you can do that is to chant the holy names of the Lord. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur set the example for the acharyas uh, to live a life as a householder. We see many others are renunciates to live in the forest, but he lived at home most definitively. You have to, have to be sort of present when you got 10 kids, and, or 12, it was maybe 11 or 12. You stop counting after 10. <laughs> and then, of course, he also set the example that in having kids, his primary objective was to have a child that would spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. It would, as in his words, be a ray of Vishnu. So he had prayed for that. Please let there appear in my family someone who can carry on the Gaudiya tradition, Dwar Chaitanya's teachings to the world. This is a worthy... Uh, a prayer, and it's a way that um, th those who are uh, grahastas uh, can do service, is to raise a child or children who are fully trained in Krishna consciousness and then can help others by spreading Krishna consciousness. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur did that. In fact, his uh, child was uh, born in Puri, Bhimala Prasad Dutt, and because at that time, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was in charge of the Jagannath Temple, if you can imagine such a thing. I mean, you know, 54 offerings a day and dealing with all the pandas. <laughs> uh, you know, the what, what scheduling. Ramananda, is he around? Is it hard to schedule? It's one of the hardest things you can do. I must... I got a tour of the Pujari room in Hungary. They had Pujari. I talked to her for a few hours about how they carried on their activities there. And then there was this huge 
board. It was a, either a blackboard or a whiteboard, and it had the names of the devotees who would be doing service. It's good you came in today so early. That um, she said, this is the hardest part of the whole thing is scheduling devotees because at the last minute, people's like, oh, you know, my child just jumped in a well or whatever it is, you know, and then I can't come in, have to reschedule, bring somebody else. And so uh, it's a constant uh, anxiety. Bhaktivinoda Thakur took that on his head along with his employment, his 10 kids, his bhajan, everything. So sometimes we wonder, where do I get capacity to do? Ah, I don't have time. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur disproved that. He showed us, because obviously there were going to be more grahastas than sannyasis in the world. It's a rare, rare kind of uh, exotic bird that you know, takes sannyas. And can, you know, they, there's some, some scars there. But he showed that, don't worry. He proved that grihe tako bani tako If you're going to medical school, if you're doing your PhD somewhere uh, in Atlanta, for instance, um, or <laughs> your, you know, whatever it is, uh, you can you can have your bhajan too. You can have have your bhajan. You have to integrate everything together uh, because Bhaktivinoda showed how to do it. Doesn't mean we have to go to bed at 10 and wake up at 1. Because there's an admonition Prabhupada gives in the Srimad Bhagavatam in regard to Dhruva Maharaj. And Dhruva, he was a very determined little boy. At five years old, he went to the forest. And on the way there, Narada Muni intercepted him. Because that's how the transcendental system works. If you're really determined in your heart that I have to see Krishna, then Krishna sends you a guru. And if you want the kind of guru that Dhruva got, then you have to have the same kind of desire he had. So Dhruva met Narada Muni, who said, don't go. It's not a good idea. You're too young. And he says, go home, learn how to communicate better. You take a class on communication. <laughs> Nonviolent communication. <laughs> you can get over this. And Dhruva said, Thanks, but I got to go. <laughs> Appreciate that you're a sadhu, but <laughs> I'm going to the forest. I'm going to find God. And then Narda said, okay, I was just testing you. I'll tell you how to do it. And so he gave the instruction, and Dhruva went there and performed severe austerity in the forest and then uh, was able to see Krishna very, very soon. And this is something that um, Prabhupada mentions, that the kind of austerities that Dhruva performed and the, the intensity in which he did his devotional service was um, uh, something to, that we should try to emulate but not imitate. We can follow in the footsteps. So with Bhaktivinoda Thakur, we have to pick up the spirit of how he, he continued his bhajan during the times when he was engaged in all kinds of so-called worldly affairs they're not worldly affairs if one's using them as the basis for one's bhajan. Kamasya nendriya prithir labo jivete yavata jivasya tattva jignasya narto yasheha karma bihi. There's a way in which if you're engaging in 
sense gratification for the purpose of staying alive, so you can do your bhajan, then that's okay. That's what's recommended. You have a body, you have to take care of it. But if you do it the other way around, or make the priority the worldly thing and maybe the devotional services some other category, then that's what the sages say, don't do that because it won't serve you well. You won't get anything out of that ultimately. You'll end up with an empty bag at the end of the whole process. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur showed us that yes, you can engage fully in uh, your occupation and raising family and so forth, but you integrate your bhajan. And he also showed how just as when the rasa dance took place, you know, the t time expanded. They were there for a, uh, a night of Brahma, which is a long time. And Krishna can, if we, if we have the desire and we, we apply the principle following the footsteps of the Acharya, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, we can apply it in our lives. Another example that Bhaktivinoda Thakur set was to organize for helping others. He made it a kind of a business to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. He saw that people were suffering and that they needed to have the uh, contact of the devotees and needed to, to uh, get, get contact with the practice of Krishna consciousness. So he wrote out a business plan and it was called the Nam Hut. And in it there would be various occupations like any corporation. And then people would, would be uh, sales people. They would go out and bring back others, and they would get a commission for bringing them in. They claim their commission, which would be what we were talking about before. You come closer to the Lord. You bring people in, and then you get the glance of Lord Nityananda. And your bhajan becomes more and more profound, which... Uh, is what the devotees are looking for. And so Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote this whole plan and then enacted it. And his son, who was uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, uh, took up the mood of his father. He considered him his, uh, his uh, guru. And he uh, took the same mood by innovating to develop an institution through which Krishna consciousness could be spread all over the world. And then that was taken up by Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who translate that, translated that into ISKCON, International Society for Krishna Consciousness. It uses the same elements. Notice that Prabhupada also took up the same mode of uh, of practice of devotional service that Bhaktivinoda Thakur had. In other words, he would go to sleep for a couple hours, wake up in the middle of the night, around midnight, and then all night long he would translate and chant, go for a morning walk, come in, greet the deities, have a little breakfast, do his correspondence, and then uh, go about managing the movement. A couple hours of sleep only, and all, all for Krishna. So this is the the Mahatkritena, Tvatpadapotena Mahatkritena, if we analyze the, the Acharyas, especially Bhaktivinoda Thakur, whom we can relate to, 
and follow in the footsteps of, then we can see how to conduct ourselves. And if we do, we try to follow his footsteps, it's okay to become a fan of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. You can become a fan. Uh, just as people, they become fans of, uh, I don't know, Bollywood stars, musicians, you know, they wear the shirt around, still people following a certain rock and roll bands around the world, even as they're only skin and bones on the stage. In fact, I remember one of the groups had made a kind of a parody of this about 20 years ago when they were so old when they were doing it. One of their songs on, on the, uh, what was that, MTV or YouTube was just these marionettes of people with, you know, in bones they were singing. <laughs> people, people have to follow someone you're going to follow somebody. So find an acharya and, f and become a fan. You can become a fan of all the acharyas, but especially Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And uh, you know, we can take into our hearts. Remember them. It's a, it's a protection for us. That's why it's a boat. You know, the mind says, yeah, what's wrong with the material world anyway? Why don't you just hang out here for a little while? And... This is uh, dangerous, actually, because we're only here for a few years, and the association we take in will affect us uh, very deeply. And if we take association with materialistic people, we, we eat food contaminated by materialistic people, uh, we hear all kinds of noise coming from them, prajalpa, then it goes in our minds, and then when we want to think of Krishna, we can't. It's very difficult. Somebody asked us a question, it's like, I don't know the answer because my mind is contaminated. So better to be a follower of the great um, stars of bhakti, the great moons of bhakti. Become a, a fan of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Join the fan club. And, um, you know, you can wear a Bhaktivinoda Thakur pin. Uh, and, of course, we also... Um, we get, this flows down through the acharyaship of the various uh, luminaries, like Srila uh, Prabhupada, obviously, he brought the mood of Bhaktivinoda Thakur to the world and of all the acharyas. And uh, if, if that becomes our mainstay, our, our way of sustaining ourselves psychologically and in life, that remembering the acharyas, what did they do? As we said earlier this morning in the Japa Circle, Shatovrite, follow their processes and, and do the best you can. You can't wake up at 10 or wake up at midnight or 1, then uh, get some regulation and think, I'm following in the footsteps the best I can. I'm a little baby, I can barely walk, but at least I'm following footsteps. It's good enough. Pada potena mahakritena. That's the boat, because that's how you're following, that's how you're thinking. Uh, these great Mahajans are capable of taking us across the material ocean, and it's very practical because they leave the boat in the form of their instructions. Now let's have a little discussion so everyone can feel awake and happy. Yes, Prabhu. Govinda. I've been practicing different names of, see, which is the easiest to say in an emergency. Because <laughs> uh, 
Damodar Vamsidari. I was like, Joe Jagannath. It doesn't come to me as easily. Govinda or Hare Krishna. Instead of, whoa. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, please go ahead. Hare Krishna. Oh, yeah. Hare Krishna Maharaj. So, as you were mentioning about the, um, the path to be followed by the Mahat, I was uh, remembering the verse from Gita. That yad yad acharati shreshtaha tattat evataro janaha sayad pramanam kurte lokaha tat anuvartate. That whatever the great souls uh, do and exemplify, that path is actually followed by the others in the world. And yeah, so very apt in this space. It's such a, a, an apt citation, Prabhu, as usual, from you, and thank you. Once Prabhupada was standing outside with a disciple after an outreach program. And it had been a long day. Prabhupada was maybe tired. And um, we were, they were waiting for a car to come pick them up, which was uh, late in coming. And just along the street, there were some seats outside for a kind of a, a bistro restaurant type of thing. I don't know what a bistro is. Is a restaurant kind of thing. Okay, so it was a bistro. And then there were seats and tables. Nobody was there at the time, or maybe a few people here and there. And so the well-meaning disciple said, you know, Prabhupada, would you like to sit down waiting for the car? We're not sure when it's gonna come. And Prabhupada said, what is this place? And they said, it's a bistro. What's a bistro? You know, what do they do there? They well, they eat this, that, and they drink, and I can't sit there. The, this was uh, not that you know we have to become big fanatics or anything, uh, but Prabhupada was setting an example because they said, if, if I sit there, that everyone will, maybe someone will make the assumption he's sitting in the bistro or something. And so it's a responsibility to be a devotee, to set an example for others, and those who take that responsibility have to be careful uh, the way they move about in the world. The acharyas are careful because they know everyone's watching them. And uh, we have to do that too. We have to be uh, aware of the fact that people, even peers, might be watching. And if you give tacit, um, if you give tacit permission to dependents or to friends, that it's okay to talk nonsense or to eat some, you know, bogus thing. It sounds like original ISKCON language. Um, <laughs> then, then, then <laughs> I, know, I know how to speak it very well. I restrain myself. There's, there's a way in which uh, we, we broadcast that subtly. That's what tacit means. Subtly, you know, people pick up on that idea. It's like, oh, yeah, it's okay. You're doing it. I'll do a little bit. Then you do a little more. I do a little more. Next thing you know, you're in a downward spiral. So every, each one of us has to become aware of yadyat acharati sheshtas. That uh, whatever a person, a great person does, and anybody who's a Vaishnav or aspiring Vaishnav is a great person. And everyone's looking it's like, so what are you going to do? So how, do you, how are you going to handle this one? Are you going to get mad and yell at somebody because they took your seat? Or are you going to be titikshava karunika surida sarvadehinam ajatra shatra santa Sarvo sarabhushana, the, the sadhu is titikshava. 
first and foremost is not disturbed. I'm just passing through this world and, and I'm not upset about it. And I don't get angry. And Prabhupada writes in one of his word-for-word uh, -word commentaries about how a, a, a mahatma, mahatsevam dwaramahur vamuktes tamo dwaram yoshitam sangisangam mahantaste samachita prashanta vimanyava surida is describing what a Mahatma is. And Vimanyama, he says, in the word for word, he said, a sadhu is, doesn't become angry at people when they, um, you can look it up. Could you grab fifth canto, please? And Mahatma, yeah, fifth canto, fifth, fifth chapter. Uh, Rishabhadev, you have it right there? Second verse, F five, five, two, please. You know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur at his house, he has, uh, he invented bookcases that spin. Have you ever seen those? Uh, that nowadays they spin? He invented that. And the reason was he wanted to have the books always available when he was writing. He wrote 100 books, keep in mind. No typewriter, no word processor. Thank you. And no, <laughs> pardon? Yeah. So then he, he, yeah, and he, he, wanted, he wanted to be able to get any book he, he needed for reference at any time. So it's right next to his desk. That's why we have this here. Because it's important to always be near the books and whatever point we're making, we follow in the footsteps of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and we try to uh, substantiate it. So let's look down a little further. This is a verse about the, the great souls, like Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, Mahatsevam, service to the spiritually advanced persons called Mahatmas. This uh, is the dwaram, or the, the way, the gate. Ahu, they say, vumukte, of liberation, tama dwaram, the way of the dungeon of the dark hellish condition of life, yoshitam, of women, sangi, associates, sangam, association, mahanta, highly advanced in spiritual understanding, te, they, samachita, Persons who see everyone in a spiritual identity. By the way, in this verse, talking about association of women, it means the psychology of trying to enjoy the material world, whether it's a man or a woman, vice versa. It's, it's not talking about um, those who are Vaishnavas, but it's talking about the, the, the way in which we're held in the material world by the attraction between thinking, I'm my body, that person's their body, and maybe... Uh, I'll be happy if we're together. Okay, te, they, samachita, persons who see everything in spiritual identity. Prashanta, very peaceful, situated in Brahman or Bhagavan. And here it is, vimanyavak, without anger, one must distribute Krishna consciousness to persons who are hostile without becoming angry at them. Do you like that? Yes. We'll give a little love then. <laughs> then. Surida, well-wishers of everyone, sadhava, qualified devotees without abominable behavior, yea, they who. So this uh, verse talks about the, the, the great souls and their vimanyava. They don't become angry even if somebody's hostile towards them. So we have to set that example. And it's one of the practices of going out and preaching and not becoming uh, angry at people when they become hostile towards you. Okay, yes. One, two, three. Oh, one, two. Thank you. 
Thank you, Prabhuji. That was profound and uh, truly the ultimate goal. Um, we become the company we keep. So, um, and we can be disturbed by the association. I think it's in chapter two. I think Sukham Dukham Dhiram Sumriti Tapa Kalpate. So, if you have to get that highest goal of bliss, uh, we must keep that mental steadfastness. Fastness. My question is uh, for people in family life where you have spouses and you have kids and then they have associations and we are socially required to intermingle with that and clearly some of those associations are uh, not in line with what we are trying to progress towards. Um, there is some disturbance of our energy. How to best tackle that um, although we try to keep our mental state stronger and steadfast, but it is very difficult to keep the associations completely clean um, as we are trying to do here. Please help. Thank you. Well, we do our best in, in any religious tradition. People have the same conundrum. Like, how are my kids going to grow up as good Catholics? Let's start Catholic schools. Where do you think Catholic schools came from? <laughs> People said, you know, my kids got to learn the catechism. And where are they going to learn it? In school. And we're going to, you know, have communion and everything like that. And so those who are serious about spiritual life form communities. That's what this community is for. And then we try to, at every uh, corner, to offer facilities so that um, kids and we ourselves can be in association of devotees. Of course, it's not, it may not be complete. So one has to fortify oneself as much as possible uh, because we will uh, intermingle with the world one way or another. However, if one is fortified by good association, especially by having friendships in Krishna consciousness where we feel bound by love because intellectually, you know, somebody can change our mind. But if we love the devotees we're with, and we think the world of them, then when we go elsewhere, if somebody makes a suggestion or there's some uh, errant behavior, then not errant because that's what they do, but it's more if there's some behavior that is uh, retrograde uh, to Krishna consciousness, then the, the devotee thinks, oh, that's not the way. And, the, and he or she is uh, protected even by moving about the world even when moving about the world. So we have to take it, uh, we have to fortif fortify our, um, our sanghas and our communities so that we have facility to develop Krishna consciousness and then also ways of processing things that we experience in the world. So when devotees go out into the world, then they have a place to come back to to talk about it. Like, how did it go? How does it compare? How do I answer this, etc., etc.? Hi, Krishna. Okay. Oh, you did have a question, or was it? Okay, so that I was right the first time. One, two, three. Go ahead. Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Uh, Maharaj, I really like uh, the point, actually, uh, which you mentioned. If you bring the devotees to Krishna, you get a chance to see Krishna as well. I, I, I think uh, I was thinking that. When we really love someone, you always find an excuse to go and see the person. Uh, so I think this is a good profession. When we, you know, with the Krishna is unlimited, there's no fear. 
you know, somebody else is going to see the same person. So anyone can really, uh, you know, glorify the person and then attract the another person about Krishna and Krishna would be more pleased and you get a double bonus, you know, so it was really, it was very yeah, good for me. Thank you definitely get a bonus. Krishna says in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, there's no one more dear to me than the person who's teaching the Bhagavad Gita to the devotees. And he says, I guarantee you devotional service if you do this. So if you find out that uh, Nordstrom is still open, is having a 100% off sale on Tuesday. You don't go on Wednesday. You try to figure it out. Okay, Precursory, could you find the daily schedule? So I had um, a comment and a question. So when you were speaking about the life of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and how busy it was, even compared to our lives right now, I remembered a quote that you always share, which is, it's not time, it's taste. Um, and my question was around when you brought up the pastime of Dhruva Maharaj. And when we study his life, even though we can't practically imitate in any way, we see that as a Kshatriya, he had um, his, his um, passionate nature or in his heart was awakened when he was um, spoken to like that by um, his stepmother. And that was what gave him the impetus to go and look for Krishna after his mother instructed him. On the other hand, we're taught and we learn that um, true bhakti or devotional service should be ahaitikya pratihata without any um, um, cause and without any interruption. So what is the proper understanding? Because sometimes um, how, how will we ever develop the taste to approach Krishna only for the sake of Krishna consciousness? And that's a certain taste in of, of itself. Um, but we see even Dhruva Maharaj, his, his main impetus was to go um, for a certain... Um, supposedly material benefit? Yeah, what an important question. And the, the answer comes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu points out in his teachings to Sanatana Goswami that the root cause of our impetus for pure devotional service is association with pure devotees, with sadhu sangha. So just as when one gets materialistic association, and then there's a residual effect. So we're, we're careful. The admonition is to, don't be careless in how you associate. Be careful to associate with devotees as much as possible. However, um, when we get the association of very advanced devotees, there's a transformation that takes place in our heart that is described by Prithu Maharaj that when a pure devotee speaks, because his or her motive is completely pure, that sound vibration touches Krishna's lotus feet, and there are saffron particles on the lotus feet of Krishna with, that mix with the sound vibration of the voice of that person. And then when the sound vibration enters our ears, then we experience a change of heart. So even... Even Karmakandis are mentioned, it's mentioned in the section of Prithu Maharaj or in the section of the Nava Yogendras. Kavi, Havi, Antariksha, Prabhupada, Pipalana, Avrihotra, Karbhajana, Jumala, and Avrihotra. Sri Antariksha. Did I say Sri Antariksha? Saved the best for last. So the, uh, the Nava Yogendras, you know, they were doing some. They were traveling 
and they they met the um, what was the king? Nimi, Nimi. They met King Nimi, and King Nimi was doing some yagya, and then these sages came. Fire stood up. You know, you're supposed to stand up when a when a person, a great person comes in, because your life airs all rise. So the proof here, even the fire, they were doing fire yoga, the fire stood up to offer obeisances to these sages. And then the king said, oh, please tell me. So if one is in uh, some circle, like he was doing karmakanda, and then a pure devotee comes, and you have the opportunity, even for a little while, Sadhu Sangha Sarva, Sadhu Sangha Sarva Shastra Khoi, Lava Matra Sadhu Sangha Sarva Siddhi Hoi. That uh, you get association by hearing, then your, your heart can change. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advocated for this, that try to get association with advanced devotees. In fact, it's what Rupa Goswami says in his description of the various levels of devotees. He said how you should interact with them. And... Uh, it goes, Krishneti yasya giritam manasadriyeta dikshasti che pranati bishya bhajantamisham shushushaya bhajanavigna mananyamanya nindari shunya hridamipsita sangalabhya. So the way you move about the world is when you hear somebody say, Hare Krishna. Then in your mind, you go like, okay, I offer my obeisance to that person. They, say, they can say Hare Krishna? That's not ordinary. Is it, Srivata? Who what proves it? What verse proves it in the Bhagavatam? That it's not ordinary. Thank you. Call a friend. Go ahead. Aho batashva pachato gariyan yajjhva gre vartate namato bhyamte pustavaste juhvarsasnurariya brahmana churnamagrananthiyete. Who said it and why, why is it? Prove it. I'm forgetting who said it, Maharaj. Devahuti, and she says, Oh, how wonderful it is. Aho bhattashva pachato gariyanya jivagre. Just a little bit on the tip of the tongue if you say, Hare Krishna. Then you already went to all the holy places. You've, been, <laughs> you've done every yagya, every tapasya, whatever it is. You've done it because you can say, so in your mind, when you hear somebody say, Hare Krishna, then you go like, okay, my obeisance is to you. Then if somebody takes a step forward and they say, I'm going to take a vow. I'm going to chant a minimum number of rounds for the rest of my life. That's a pretty heavy vow, isn't it? You step up and you're like, I'm doing this. That's huge. It, it, it puts a hole in the universe, actually. There's this huge hole you can feel after somebody makes the vow. And you're like, wow, I can see the spiritual world now. And so you make the vow. And then, then Rupa Goswami says, you find somebody like that, you bow down. Make a gesture. It's like, you're a great. You've made a vow to chant Hare Krishna. Then he says, if you find somebody who's chanting Hare Krishna so successfully that you can identify that uh, there's no more purpose in their life other than serving Krishna. There's no more envy. There's no more sense that it's nindadi shunya. The person's free of ninda. Uh, criticizing other people enviously because they want to look better. 
their, their heart's pure. You can feel it when you're around somebody like that. And then when you find somebody like that, then follow, try to follow them and try to serve them. Try to listen. So whatever situation we're in now, by performing devotional service in the Association of Pure Devotees, we, we can purify our intention. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, so if you have mixed devotion, it means there's some pure devotion there. Otherwise, what's it mixed with? What's the mixture? <laughs> so he says, just fan the spark, and especially by being in the association of advanced devotees, then it'll come out. Oh, you asked now. Two on Zoom, yes. Okay, two on Zoom, then uh, we'll come right here. Prema. Hare Krishna, Hare Guru Krishna. Haribo. And to you. Uh, it, it's a comment in regards of what you said about Srila Prabhupada in the Bistro. Uh, I heard some one time that one guru was going out from a, like a bistro or a restaurant and, the, and it was a little bit late at night. And the disciple came there and he saw him and he said, Oh, how my, my, my Guru Maharaj is so wonderful, he's so merciful, he's preaching in every, every place. <laughs> so the point is that, of course, that we must be like exemplary, but the, I mean, the mood of the devotee, of the disciple is always to see the Guru Maharaj in that way. Uh, so that's my yeah, comment. This is an excellent point, because I have to make an admission right here in public. I do go to bars. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I take my disciples into bars also. And somebody pointed that out to me because, you know, when we're going on book distribution, sometimes you go in bars. It's one of the best places to distribute books. In fact, I was down in San Diego and we were on a monthly Sankirtan festival. And there was about, I think, seven or eight of us. And we were just walking up this big street. I forget what it's called, but we stopped in everywhere. Car shops and, you know, bistros. And then there was a bar. In the afternoon, people sitting in a bar. So one guy was leaning against the door on the outside of the bar, getting a little breather. And as we were walking in, he just looked at me and he said, here, and he gave me $20. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked, I, was, I just took it. We went in, we talked to everybody in the bar. It was fantastic. Uh, and of course, sometimes the, the bartenders they're thinking like, hey, you're not taking all my tips here, are you? Because people, and they're like, sure, I'll give. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, I was going to get something. But it, it's generally one of the nicest places to go. Because then you feel like, well, this is Lord Nityananda's work. We're in a bar. So when we were leaving, I turned to one of the devotees. I said, you saw that. The guy gave me $20. I didn't even say anything. He said, what, what was that about? He said, he felt guilty. That's what he said. He felt guilty. He saw that we're coming in and he realized the jiva's sitting there and he thought, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I'm sitting here on, you know, earth planet where I could go back to Godhead if I just applied myself. I, I could just actually be productive in any way. But here I am leaning against a doorway in a stinky bar. And so I saw these people, you know, I have to give them something. So, um, it is said that if you see Lord Nityananda coming out of a brothel or a bar, then the devotee's glorified. Yay, he just liberated everybody inside. And so we can, 
we can uh, follow that process. When yeah, you made me remember. When we're on book distribution. Me... I'm sorry, please go ahead, Prema. Sorry, you made me remember we were in, in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, in downtown. It was like 6, 7 p.m., and we were with the Harinam Ruchi and Mahavishnu Swami. And we were dancing, and there was a, like a, a bar. And we get inside, we ask for permission, we get inside, there was, there was an, a stage there, we go, we went there, we chant Hare Krishna, everybody was happy, the, the books were flying there, and okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Haribo! Okay. Oh, there's one more online. Maharaj, um, I just was thinking of comparison between a materialist and a devotee. You know, Srila Prabhupada at the, the very um, advanced age, he was able to translate Srimad Bhagavatam. He was able to travel across the world 12 times. And he was able to establish so many temples and, and also initiate so many disciples. That is the power of a Vaishnava. That is the power of a yogi. But when you compare to a materialist who is habituated to eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, you know, at the old age, you can see him, he's in the hospitals. You know, he's diabetic, he has all kinds of diseases, diabetes, you know, blood pressure, this and that. And uh, there is absolutely, you know, you know he, he wasted his life, all his life, in um, frivolous activities. And uh, his productivity at the, at the end of his life is almost zero. So... I was thinking, you know, a devotee is, invests his, his time and um, energy in uh, glorifying the Lord, getting the glories of the Lord. And at the end, we can see his productivity is, you know, so much. So that's, uh, and uh, the examples of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and uh, Srila Prabhupada, these two examples give us into insight how we should... Uh, conduct our lives, how we should lead our lives. You know, we need to have some kind of a discipline and we can see miracles happening uh, at the end. Yes, Prabhu, that's a good point. We should think for that. It's a short ride. Someone last night was introducing me to speak and said, yeah, and he's in his 60s. And I thought, I am? Are you sure about that? <laughs> and it, I just, you know, you look down, you look up, next thing you know, uh, your life's over. So it, it's, it behooves us to follow the acharyas and become fully absorbed now because you can't, it's really hard to make up for it later. You have to do it in process, just like studying for a big exam. You think, I'll do it in the last day. It doesn't, it doesn't go in enough. You have to do it every day, little bit, little bit, every single day, and then hear it from different, make a bunch of mistakes before you walk in for the exam. And then you can really feel confident about it. So such an excellent point. And we can see in the lives of the Acharyas how they become youthful, actually, in their old age. You look at them and you see their bodies. They're not material. They look like prasadam. And they, you know, the way they speak, the way they interact, the way, the way their stuff is. I mean, Prophet's clothes are otherworldly. And uh, everything about him, it's, it's transcendentalized. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, if you go to his house, you're not in the material world. He has furniture. And 
but it's, it's not from this world. It's all been transformed. So we have to emulate that, as Prabhu was saying, so that we can live in the spiritual world while we're here. The way we're, we are here, that's where we're going to transfer to. It's not that, okay, now you die in materialistic consciousness and somehow or other <laughs> then you're transferred to the spiritual world. But we have to be transferred now while we're in this life. Okay, so uh, yes, there was two more. One, two, and then I'm going to read a small section. Hare Krishna. We'd like a trade in a mic. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I have a uh, reflection and a question. Like uh, I'm completely in love with the point that you said about you know become a fan of acharyas. Like it's it, and I really hope to like you know imbibe that seriously throughout the rest of my life. Um, and the question I had was. Uh, so is it a good so is it a good thing if someone makes an analysis of how much progress they have made in their spiritual practice and let's say before three months and now they are it's like okay you made good pro progress so I'm happy so can someone um, I'm, I'm just worried about you know okay compared to where I was three months ago and where I'm right now okay you know there's some improvement in all the spiritual sadhana that I'm doing but then where do I draw the line between um, okay, that's good progress versus maybe it's not that good of a progress, but my mind is like, oh, wow, you're doing amazing. And then, you know, it's like the mind is like playing it, playing it out versus self-sabotage. Like, oh, you know, you're in this material world, you're in this material world. Where do you're we... what? You're in this material world, you're fallen, you're in this material uh -huh. world. So self-sabotage versus actual analysis of where you are in yeah. your spiritual status versus ego, even in spiritual practices. Well, that's a constant struggle. You have to fight with it. Because, uh, and that's one of the reasons we need to have good association. The mind's uh, oftentimes, not oftentimes, the mind always f fluctuates. And I may feel confident, I'm doing well, and then the next week I think, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything, and I can't do anything, and I'm useless, and why do anything? And so it's good to have a support system. It's, it's, it, Gaudiya Vaishnava means support. It's a team sport, not individual sitting in a cave trying to figure yourself out. But assign other people around you to figure you out. You know, that's why we have this whole system of, of uh, guruship, you know, in many different forms so that you can surround yourself with people, even peers that you can talk to and say, yeah, well, how do you think I'm doing? How do you really think I'm doing now? Tell me the other part. <laughs> and then also when you're down, if you say, uh, if you have people in your life that you've, you have already assigned as your uh, helpers, you can say, can you, can you tell me, you know, am I okay? Uh, give, me, give me a little pep talk. Even uh, athletes, you know, they can be at top level and then they'll come in at halftime and the coach has to come in and say, listen, you guys, don't forget, you're champions. <laughs> Did you know you've never lost before? Even though you're down right now, you're going to win. You know, it's all you have to do is go back to your basics. You know, just hold on to the ball. You know, so if we have that in our lives, that's somebody that, that can be there for us. Surround yourself with as many people as you can get. Who, who you trust, who are on that level where, you know, they're, they're aligned properly and they can help you. Mm. 
then when the mind fluctuates, you take it to them, take it to your counsel, and then you'll, you'll be buoyed by that. But don't try to do it by yourself. Not so easy. Okay? Thank you, Mario. Arrivo. Everyone okay? Yes. All right. Prabhu, um, the point that you were mentioning about during residence, how um, it was only one night, but it expanded to one uh, night of Brahma. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was thinking when I heard the schedule of uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, how is it possible uh, for a normal person to do that? And, and for me, it is impossible, I was thinking. But the point that you mentioned that if you have the desire, then if you have a sincere desire, then the time actually expands. So that was such a nice inspiration. Thank you for it. It's so important to, to what you said and to align our desires with the acharyas. Uh, what were their burning desires? Mostly to spread Krishna consciousness. Listen to what Prabhupada says. He, he emphasizes outreach, preaching, and saving souls, book distribution, and you know, bringing people closer to Krishna consciousness, through giving them association, and so forth. And if you notice how strong his desire is, that he would get on a boat at 70 years old and come across the ocean alone. That is indicative. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, how he dedicated himself to expanding a system through which everyone could take to Krishna consciousness. If we align with that kind of desire in our life, then by that we'll become purified and have a success in life. Yes, that's the way to go. Uh, just uh, a quick mention of the daily schedule of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Hulit Prasad Thakur, in his notes on his father's life, describes the Thakur's daily schedule while he was staying at Jagannath Puri. He was never idle, being always engaged in the service of the Lord. Between 7.30 and 8 p.m., he would go to bed. He would then rise just before, one, before 10 p.m., light his oil lamp, and write books until 4 a.m. Then he would again rest for a maximum of half an hour. At 4.30 a.m., he would wash his hands and face, sit down, and chant on his beads. He never showed his beads to anyone, but would chant on them constantly as time permitted. At 7 a.m., he answered all correspondence. At 7.30 a.m., read various religious and philosophical works, and at 8.30 a.m., he received visitors, if any, or else continued to read until 9.30. At that time, he would walk back and forth on the veranda of his house, contemplating different religious questions and solving them in his mind. Sometimes he would solve them aloud, as if preaching to some unseen guest. He would rest briefly between 9.30 a.m. and 9.45 a.m., then take bath and breakfast, which usually consisted of half a quart of milk, two japatis, and some fruit. At 9.55 a.m., the Thakur would don his uniform and leave for court in his carriage. As a magistrate, he wore a coat and pants. On his neck were six strands of large Tulsi beads, which he was resolute in his court decisions and would decide a case immediately, not tolerating any humbug. He did his business and left. He shaved his head monthly and never cared what anyone thought of it. The lawyers and Englishmen were astounded by the Thakur's capacity for work. At 10 a.m., court began. He would 
began. He would hear between 30 and 50 cases per day, yet he finished by 1 p.m. What took other magistrates one half hour, he finished in five minutes. He took another two minutes to write the judgment in detail. Some of his British superiors became envious and tried to discourage him, but he was not affected. At 1 p.m., he went home, refreshed himself, and then returned to work from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Every evening after his court duties, Bhaktivinoda Thakur would translate some Sanskrit religious work into Bengali by dictating it to a secretary. Then there was an evening bath and meal consisting of a little rice, two japatis, and another half quart of milk. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur worked with a pocket watch so that everything he did was on schedule. Despite his heavy domestic and official responsibilities, Bhaktivinoda's every moment was embellished with an intense desire to render service to the Lord. Do you like it? Haribo! So, the theme of today, and let's take a moment to acknowledge all the great souls who have joined us online. Hare Krishna. Okay, one last question we have before we do our Pushpanjali from Subhadra. Um, I just wanted to say two quick things. One was the other day I was at the beach and I was swimming in the ocean and someone said to me, well, you almost caught that wave. And then I blurted out, that's the story of my life. <laughs> and then I realized that, especially in my devotional life, that's, I kind of almost caught the wave. So I was thinking, now that I'm old, I really need to try and catch the devotional wave. But, Haribo. Um, <laughs> then the other thing was, I was just wanted to tell a joke that you told at that bar, by the way. Oh, were you if there? You I was there. I have a picture of it, actually. Confirmation. We go to bars. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know um, I told a joke in the bar. So this Hare Krishna walks into a bar. All right, go ahead, please. <laughs> One of the patrons said, Hare Krishnas, I haven't seen you since the airports. And you said, oh, we only go to bars now. <laughs> <laughs> Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you, Subhadra. Uh, I did want to point out just a slight error in your thought process, though. You're on the wave. You're totally riding it in. And uh, However, it's always good to have that feeling of angst that when am I going to actually catch it, even though you're, you're right on it. Devotees feel like that that, uh, you know, when, when in my time come, and this is uh, Asha Bandha. We should feel like this, says uh, Prabhupada in the Nectar of Devotion, that, you know, a intense longing, that Krishna, please, please, uh, you know, I didn't get any service. Everyone else is doing something. I'm, I'm doing nothing for you. Please, please engage me. And so when we chant Hare Krishna in that mood, we can, we can really sincerely call out, Hare Krishna, please, please engage me. I'm, I'm the runt of the litter. I was left out and, and, and neglected, so I'm starving here. Please help me. So we pray to Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur on this day of his Divine Appearance Day. 
our dear Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, if you so desire, please engage us in your divine service to expand the Sankirtan movement in ways that will directly please you in your mood of reaching out to new people all over the world and on every continent of the world to bring them into the process of Harinam Sankirtan. Please empower us to do this service. Send, if you so desire, unlimited resources so that we can do this for your pleasure and just totally cover the earth with Krishna conscious literature and devotees dancing in ecstasy, chanting Jai Satchinandan. Thank you for considering our request. Om Tat Sat. Everyone agrees with this prayer in part or in whole. Please say Hare Krishna. 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 Krishna.